Will you pray the prayer of illumination with me? God who is over us, God who is one of us, God who is, give us pure hearts that we may see you, humble hearts that we may hear you, hearts of love that we may serve you, hearts of faith that we may abide in your heart. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22 and going through verse 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the shore, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. So our Lenten journey has been unique this year in that we have been studying, praying, and sharing together in groups for the past five weeks. And today is Palm Sunday. We celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The King, the Savior, and Messiah has arrived. But we know that the cross is loom looming on Friday. But today is a day of celebration as we walk toward that cross with Jesus. Today, he has come. He has entered our hearts. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. So I have really enjoyed my time in groups this Lenten season. The study has been powerful each and every time. But no single group experience has been the same for me. Pastor Lou and I have led about six different group sessions of either unbinding the gospel or unbinding your heart. And during that time, here's what I've learned. Before this study, though I am a United Methodist pastor, the word evangelism had always given me bad feelings. But now, after doing this study together, I understand evangelism differently. Evangelism 
is simply the sharing the life of faith that I enjoy with people that I love. And because the word has been redefined for me, I'm no longer afraid to call myself an evangelist. Before this study, I thought of evangelism as something that we do out of duty to God and the growth of the church. I no longer see evangelism as something I do out of duty, but something that I do because I want to. I want to share with others how God is changing me, and he is, every single day. When I was little and I wanted, when something great happened to me, the first thing that I did was call my grandma and share the great news. My grandma was my person that I celebrated with. This is similar. Every time we find out something new about God or every time we grow in our faith or experience a God moment or a thin place, the first thing that we want to do is share it. Before this study, I had daily devotional time and prayer time, and it was already a priority in my life. But during this study, because I knew that I was going to be talking with a friend about what was happening in my spiritual life, I started to look forward to that time when I was going to be sharing. I started to look forward to the time of asking my prayer partner, how can I pray for you today? How did you see God this week? And building that relationship with my new prayer partners, I found that my prayer time and reading scripture took on new richness and depth as I interacted with someone about my own faith journey and heard about their journey as well. Now, our scripture lesson this week has the disciples out in the boat on the sea. And Jesus is on the shore. And what's just happened is that Jesus has fed this crowd of 5,000 men plus all of their wives and children. He insists that his disciples get back into the boat after the meal and that they were to cross to the other side of the lake. But Jesus stayed behind to send the people that he had just fed home. And after Jesus had said goodbye to the last guest, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. He took some time apart to be alone with God. Today, our lives are fairly chaotic. Kids and teens go to school for roughly seven hours a day. Then they have two to four homework hours each night. And that doesn't factor in any kind of extracurricular activity like swim class, sports activities, karate, art, music, or relaxing. Now, most parents of children work eight to ten hours a day for five to six days a week. Then they rush to get home help everyone get snacks, homework done, chores done, and then get to activities. And when they get home, it's time to finish up any homework they didn't finish after school, bathe, hopefully, and go to bed. 
only to get up and do it all again. How many of you are tense just thinking about it? We don't have time to do grocery shopping, so we do click lists. We don't have time to cook dinner, so we eat fast food. We don't have time to read, so we listen to books while we do other things. Life is chaotic. Jesus knew chaos. A crowd of 5,000 men and their wives and children had just come to hear him speak, and he had been traveling around the Sea of Galilee speaking and healing. He and his disciples were enveloped by crowds wherever they went. But in this scripture, Jesus helps us to see how to manage chaos. The disciples had gone from one large event and out onto the sea. In Jesus' time, the sea represented chaos. So the disciples were in their boat amidst the chaos. And the strong winds were buffeting them. And they were worried. And they were afraid of what might happen next. We experience chaos in so many ways. Sometimes our chaos is circumstantial. Like when I was trying to sell our house in Dayton, pack all of our things, have showings of our house, graduate from seminary, get the kids ready to move, register them for school, and figure out my new responsibilities at a new church while Matt was going back and forth from Dayton, working at work and working on the house. And our lives were so chaotic. There were days when we were testy and grumpy because so much change was happening so quickly. That kind of chaos is circumstantial. But sometimes the chaos is internal. It's something that people can't see, like outward circumstances. Maybe due to external relationships, our emotions are heightened because so much is happening in us, to us, or around us. Emotional chaos is difficult for others to see. But when we feel that chaos, it's just as real to us as the external chaos. And sometimes the chaos is corporate. As a group of people, as a community, we might experience this during election years with extra ads or campaign calls or with speeches, debates, or candidates offering opinions and promises at every turn. It could look like a natural disaster, like the multiple hits that Puerto Rico and the Bahamas experienced from hurricanes this fall. It could look like flooding. It could look like earthquakes. Sometimes the chaos is due to war or violence. Sometimes to strife or disagreement. Or even the possibility of change. It's in these chaotic times when we, like the disciples, sit in our boat and fret and worry about what is going to happen to us. And we cry out for help. We want protection from the unknown. We get testy with one another. We blame one another. And sometimes we hurt one another. But in our scripture this morning, after the chaos of the crowds, which was a good kind of chaos, 
Jesus took time away by himself to be with God. And he sent his disciples on to the other side of the lake in their boat, also separate from the crowds. And while Jesus was on a hilltop praying, the disciples were in a boat worrying. What did they expect? And so when Jesus came walking across the water to them, they hadn't expected him. They weren't quite sure who it was because they had no expectation of Jesus walking atop the waves. So I saw this story this week. I don't know, you might have seen it too. Um, It was in the news, and it was about a young woman, Emma Abrams, and she's actually from Gehanna. She's nine years old. And she has been watching her dad, Tyler, for 15 years, every year raise funds and end up shaving his head for St. Baldrick's, which is an organization that promotes um, awareness of and research for childhood cancer. Now, Emma, at age nine, has been begging her parents since age six to be able to raise funds and shave her head, too. And each time, the answer has been no. But this year, Emma's parents said yes. She raised $5,000 on her own to promote awareness and support childhood cancer research. Since 2005, St. Baldrick's has raised more than $234 million. But this was more than just a touching story for me. Because last Sunday at church, as people were exiting and I was shaking hands, I was shaking the hand of somebody that I thought was new. Because I didn't expect that... One of my group members, who the Sunday before had a beard and a mustache and a head full of hair, would be clean-shaven and bald. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know what to expect. And on Sunday, in the chaos of the day, I didn't recognize him. You know, sometimes when we are sitting in the midst of our chaos, we lose our ability to see. We lose our clarity. We lose our connection to God. It's like the busy signal on the phone freaks us out, so we hang up. So Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. All of the disciples do. And they think, he must be a ghost because it isn't normal for people to walk on top of the water, right? But when Jesus speaks, The first thing he says to them is, don't be afraid. And it's then that Peter recognizes his voice, and with recognition comes understanding. But to me, here's where it gets kind of odd. Instead of Peter staying in the boat and waiting on Jesus to get to him, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, 
if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. If it were just about the disciples being saved from the waves, then why did Peter want to walk on the water too? So I'm lucky enough to have two mothers-in-law. Anybody else? I am doubly blessed, and I'm really serious about that. I love them both a ton, and they're nothing alike. They're both awesome women of God in their own ways. Anyway, Matt's stepmom, Sandy, is one of those people that I like to just stand next to real close in a time of crisis because peace radiates off of this woman. When my son John was a fussy baby, both of my kids had reflux. And so we spent a lot of weekends down at Matt's dad and stepmom's um, trailer in southern Ohio. And when John was a fussy baby, there were four adults, a fussy baby, and two medium-sized dogs in a, a two-room trailer just about every weekend. And no matter how fussy the baby was and how tense that made me and how tense I made Matt and how tense Matt's dad got just because that was all kinds of tension and I was even pregnant with Grace, Sandy would still be humming her songs, moving at a normal pace, and we would be able to hand her the baby and she had this magic touch. And it's like the second her hands touched the baby and she brought the baby to herself, he went limp. No matter how I bounced and moved and walked, this baby would not be calm. But when Sandy got a hold of him, it was like the peace that blanketed her surrounded John and extended over him as well. Peter recognized Jesus walking on top of the chaos. He was subduing it. And what Peter was asking of Jesus was to call him to be able to do the same. But what happened when Peter stepped out of the boat. Well, for a few steps, Peter was able to stand above the chaos. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the wind and the waves and he recognized that the chaos was still there, he became afraid and he began to sink. How many times are we like Peter? We want to calm the stormy seas of our lives and our families, our work, our city, our nation, our world, or even our church. And we ask Jesus to call us out to him. And when he does, we step out. And we may be able to sustain ourselves for a bit, but when we lose focus on Jesus and his peace, we begin to sink beneath the waves and chaos threatens to overtake us again. 
Change is difficult. It disrupts routines and shifts expectations. It unsettles us and it shakes us out of our easy chairs. But when we keep our focus on Jesus' call, come. We can keep our eyes above the waves of chaos that change invokes. Jesus is calling us out of our comfort zone. Stony Brook has been a thriving and active faith community in Gehenna for more than 50 years now. But there are people in our city, in nearby areas, who don't even know that Jesus can calm their storms. Who don't know that a life with Christ can bring them peace and joy. Who may not know that with Christ the chaos can be overcome. There are people sitting here in this room who've come for every Sunday for years but haven't experienced the peace of Christ in their hearts. Why? Because they haven't heard your unique story of walking on the water. They don't know that this isn't just for Peter a long time ago. It's for now right now, for you, for me, for us. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening in our nation, no matter what's happening in our state or our city or our work or our home, Christ is with us. And when we cry out, love lifts us out of the chaos. The United Methodist Church is in the news. At General Conference in 2017, the Council of Bishops were tasked with gathering a team of clergy and laity across the world to examine the language in our book of discipline surrounding homosexuals in regard to marriage and ordination. And the team that was built to do this was both made up of laity and clergy, and they were tasked to meet, they were tasked to pray. The teams called a way forward, and coming they'll be offering proposals at a special session of the General Conference in 2019. The reason I bring it up is because I saw it in the news this week. I thought you might have as well. Change can bring chaos. Thoughts about change can unnerve us and shake our foundations. But if we keep our eyes on Christ and how he bids us to come, come to him. It doesn't matter what chaos we're standing on top of. Jesus will keep us afloat. But if we allow ourselves to focus on the wind and the waves, we become distracted and we lose our way. 
We've spent the past five weeks taking time to pray daily for one another, to read scripture daily. But we can't lose focus on Jesus and his love now. We must continue to seek God in our daily lives and allow transformation inside of us to happen. We have to share the moments of closeness with God when we see thin places, when we see love on our horizon. The leadership board, Pastor Lou, the staff, and I would like to encourage you, no matter what you see in the news, no matter what's happening around the world, to continue to pursue your growth in faith. Because we've never finished growing until we've met Jesus. This Lenten journey has been a journey as a church, and we've learned how to stand on the rough waters of our day. We've learned to take a moment to contact a friend and ask how we can pray for them. We've learned that sharing our questions, our curiosity, our discoveries, and our answered or pending prayers is able to strengthen others. We've learned that taking time to read and reflect on Scripture brings us closer to the mind and the heart of Christ. And that sharing new insights or raising questions can bring us closer to the hearts and the minds of friends and loved ones. That in listening to their burdens and in listening to their celebrations, we're able to share the load or dance together in joy. So as we approach Holy Week this week, there are opportunities to draw near to Christ. So join us in worship for the Holy Week services. And we'll see you here next Sunday as we celebrate the empty tomb, the resurrection, and as we sing praise that Christ has overcome chaos and death. Amen. I'd invite you to stand as we respond to the word and as we sing our final hymn this morning. Lift up your future. We lift our coming days to the Lord. We trust the tomorrow that God will give us. God plans to do far more with us than we could ask or imagine. Resurrection hope is the future for all who follow Jesus Christ. 